Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 352, The Rise in Non-Resident Turkey License Sales. And I am your co-host and the guy who joined a new hunting club over the weekend. Very cool. I'm your other co-host and the guy who got a cool keepsake today. Yeah, you shared that with me for a minute, but I want the listeners to hear about yours first. Yeah, so one of the two guys that I credit with my mentorship of turkey hunting, he's a doctor here in town and... He took me a bunch when I was a kid and taught me a lot about turkeys. Uh, One of the other guys from my usual mentor that I mentioned. And so he came by my office today and gave me a box call made by Robert Clift. And Robert Clift is a Tennessee native who has passed away this year at Mm. 90 years old, I believe, or 92. He he lived a long life, and um, but he, he made box calls and actually kind of researching on it he won the nwtf contest 
years ago with this call. So <laughs> that's pretty, not this specific one, like not, th- but this model, I guess he called it the last call. And so it's pretty cool. It, it sounds good. I don't know that I actually take it in the woods much because it's going to be more of a keepsake for me, but pretty cool gift for my mentor. And there's a poem that apparently Robert put with all of his calls that he sold. That's, that's really cool. And it, it's just interesting. He, he, Seems like an interesting guy. Apparently, the, the stories I've heard on him, Mr. Robert, was uh, quite the character and joy to be around. So pretty cool little deal for me to get from a mentor. So I'm assuming you left the poem with the call and the call is not with you. The call is wrapped in the paper of the poem and the gotcha. both are not with me. <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah, so I got that. And I've had a good week this week. My, You know, I, I told you I was getting a custom call built by busters custom calls yeah that showed up this week and i took it out of the package and a gobbler ran into my win- window and killed himself immediately so it obviously can kill turkeys it's got the mojo then huh it i touched on it a little bit i hadn't exactly gotten down and dirty on it yet but i've, I've cranked on it a little bit and it 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 will kill i'm pretty confident <laughs> i am giving you four days Four days for what, you ask? Four days for what? Four days until you lose it. <laughs> I know. That's what I told, I told the, you know, I've been telling people that. I'm like, I got to figure out something. I don't know. I'm going to, it's going to need to get stored in a zippered pocket that, you know, maybe I can get one of those deals. You know, how people have name tags that have the little like line that, they can pull out to scan. Yeah. I need to get one of those for my slate call so that when I stand up and leave it by the tree, it just like, you know, sucks back up to my vest. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I need. So anyway, I got that in and it, it sounds phenomenal. So I haven't yet presented it to the king, but I have a feeling he's going to like it. Very good. So tell me about your new club. Is it for turkeys mostly, I assume, or also deer? Yeah, turkeys and deer. So I decided not to rejoin the club that I got all of my buddies in last year. Because you can go hunt there with them now. (laughs) Well, yeah, I can. You're right. But it had a good number of deer on it, but the turkey hunting on that piece of property was not very good. So Mm. it came down to joining the club that I was in year before last and was in for a couple of years or joining the new club, this new club, and I decided to join the new one. So I am, yeah, met several of the guys over the weekend, super nice guys in there. And so we'll, we'll have a good time, but we're still, you know, at the, got the same hunting camp where all of my buddies will be in the evenings and at lunchtime. And so well, that'd be fun. Yeah, still get that camaraderie, but yeah, to meet some new guys and never a bad thing. Learn some new properties, so it'll give me a, a yeah, bit conquer more new a, ground. Yeah, give me a little bit more of an additional challenge, which yeah, is that'll be exciting for never sure. Never a bad thing. So yeah, well, so yeah. that'll be pretty awesome. It, does it seem like many turkey hunters in the club? Well, there are some in the club. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's some serious ones in the club, and then there's some guys that they'll show you know, up, yeah, on the weekend. They'll come a couple weeks, weekend, two weekends, something yeah, like that out of, out of the entire season. So yeah, it's gonna be, it'll be interesting. I I don't think there's gonna be as many turkey hunters in this club as there was in the one 
that I was in two years ago. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that, you know, I look forward to hearing how that goes. I'm sure if there's turkeys on it, you will find them and get to mess with them. So that'll be good. Absolutely. And hopefully your dues don't go up because like we talk about in today's topic, hunting clubs may get more popular. <laughs> yes, that is very true. <laughs> good segue. <laughs> that is a good segue and it is very, very true. And so we do have a pretty lengthy episode this week. So you want to kind of cue it up for us a little bit and then we'll just jump in it and go. Yeah, well, first I'm going to let you know we're 247 days, 11 hours, 24 minutes from turkey season in my state. Well, in my state of Puerto Rico, we are 239 days, 11 hours, 36 minutes and 17 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season. Oh, I can't wait, but I just wanted to inform everybody of that. We're seven days closer than we were last week, so that's always a positive. But like you said, we got a long episode, so we don't want to dilly too much on our intro here. We've got a guest with us who will go by the name Bob for this interview, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Bob gathered an unbelievable amount of interesting data and so we're going to dive in there and talk to him about what he's found with his data i've collected some on my home state and collected some information there so this episode's full of information we talk about tennessee kentucky alabama mississippi georgia florida wisconsin arkansas all of these states are mentioned in this episode so you know that's a pretty good swath, and with today's it traveling is. turkey hunter, that will impact a lot of people. So, very interesting statistics here that without a lot of effort, you would have to go gather. You can get it right here. So, I say we just hop in there, talk to our own Mr. Bob, and have a discussion about the state of turkey hunting right now and, and you know, have some stats to back it up. So, it's pretty interesting. I think we should just go ahead and hop in there and, and let's do it. Let's get it on. All right. See you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Cameron and I are glad to tell you that we have on the line with us our own Mr. X, whom <laughs> we are going to affectionately call Bob McAdderly for this episode. And if you happen to miss last week's episode, Bob McAdderly is my pseudonym when I go to crash a wedding reception or a conference where they have food and I need to sign in in order to get in the door, I'm Bob McAdderly. So if you ever see that name <laughs> on a sign-in sheet at a WMA or a conference or reception, look for me. I will be there somewhere. Well, it could be one of the three of us on this call, because now well, we may all use it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but today I'm loaning my pseudonym to Mr. X, so we don't have to call him Mr. X, because it's just rude, I think. So... We have Bob McAdderly on the phone with us today, and Bob is, let's just call him a wildlife professional, and he's got a lot of experience with big game draws for, for some of these out-of-state hunts, and that's deer, elk, turkeys, a lot of things like that. Bob's a big turkey hunter. Bob, I'm going to throw this out there and say is a numbers guy and <laughs> you don't say <laughs> yeah yeah and you guys are gonna 
understand this more as we get into this conversation because that's what this conversation is about numbers and so we're going to talk about some of this and you know i'll i'll say that the numbers well numbers don't lie we all know that and this data is hard to dispute in my opinion so bob thank you for joining us today and thank you for the time that you've taken to put some of this data together to share with us because, well, you know that the majority of the people who listen to the show are like you and me and Cameron, and we're turkey fanatics, but that's it. We're turkey, turkey fanatics, not just turkey hunting. We are fans of wild turkeys. And when we see something that causes us concern or alarm well it's something that needs to be discussed and so thanks for again for taking all the time to get that data together and taking time out of your busy day to come on the show have a talk with us about some of these hard numbers so welcome no problem guys you mentioned number numbers man i'm a turkey fanatic i have thoroughly enjoyed spending my summer putting a lot of this data together uh, contacting different state agencies and just getting it all compiled and to show what I suspected has been going on these past few springs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of folks have been suspecting it, but not, you've you've shared the data with us, so I'm looking at it right now. It's yeah, kind of different when you can see it. I guess. <laughs> well, you know, Cameron, you and I talked last week about what the state of Arizona has done with their coos deer. Yeah, and Bob is the one who shared that with me, you know, opened my eyes to that. So if someone didn't listen to last week's show, Bob, would you care to share kind of a brief overview of what happened in Arizona with their coos deer? Well, basically, the state of Arizona paid some influencers to advertise hunting opportunity in Arizona. Now, they advertise a variety of hunting opportunity, a small game, coos deer, uh, over-the-counter archery hunting primarily with the deer. And it really was a hit, apparently, because archery participation, both resident and non-resident, exploded in the coming years. <laughs> it exploded to the point where they have actually had to end over-the-counter archery deer hunting opportunity in Arizona because of the amount of pressure. And uh, the harvest rate reached a threshold where the Arizona biologists determined the hunt should be seized. So... I'm an Arizona resident, let's say, and and I've been hunting my unit for 20 years for archery, and my state paid some folks to promote that, and now I can't hunt it. That that's happening. Pretty much, that is happening. So this this is for real. I mean, this truly, (laughs) because it's so insane to me that it could even happen. I mean, it it's just like it's it's surreal that now to add on to that drought. Has in has hurt the deer some in that area, hurt sure. deer reproduction. Yeah, yeah. but the uh, massive increase in hunting pressure definitely contributed to the decision. And you can actually read oh, about yeah. it yourself if you want to go over to the Hunt Talk forum under the Big Game Hunting and Deer section. You can't miss the thread. The thread title is Over the Counter Arizona Archery Units Closed. A whole whole lot of talk going on about it. All the data's there. The explanations there. Man, it's pretty wild. I mean, that's so, that's crazy to me. So, I mean, 
what's interesting to me kind of when i hear it you know it's easy to attack the influencers but right they did their job i mean they got paid by the state to promo the hunting and they did an exceptional job obviously (laughs) to the point they're having to shut it down so it, it you know not just fingers pointed at them the state got what they asked for they just got a little more than they bargained for i guess yeah they made arizona some money that's for sure yeah but at the expense of a resource that we all know is fragile especially in a ecosystem like arizona where the weather can have such an impact i'd assume mm-hmm. you look at what the weather can do out there to their deer population and bring that home to your own state to yeah. what the weather can do two bad springs to your turkey population, two bad springs weather-wise to your turkey population. Well, so let's take the Arizona example. That's kind of what sparked an interest in me to start exploring in Tennessee to wonder, could it be possible that states are doing this to our turkeys where they're paying influencers to promo turkey hunting in states? And I thought, surely not. You know, Tennessee lowered the bag limit a lot of states are reducing opportunity you know because they realize turkey populations are declining surely not so i started researching my state and i've used some of mr bob's research to confirm this as well tennessee last year lowered our bag limit from four to three the reasoning behind it turkey populations are declining they've had the scientists they've had the public comment at their convention kind of style seating where public can comment to them have said our populations are down our populations are down reduce the bag limit they were going to reduce it to two they only went to three because there's a study going on they didn't want to impact the study so we reduced the bag limit we have two zones that don't open until the third week of april and we have a lot of wmas that now don't open until that time so opportunity reduction in the name of saving the wild turkey right yeah in the same year the same year, this blows my mind, they paid influencers, we're not going to name names on the show, they paid a popular influencer and multiple influencers to promote hunting in Tennessee, especially in spring. One of the videos specifically starts with, we get asked all the time what our favorite state for public land turkey hunting is, and as far as easterns, Tennessee's got to be up there, you know. That was the exact video. They paid to do this. And what have I been talking about with last year? It was a madhouse here. It it was unlike anything I've ever seen. I went home at 9 a.m. on opening day because I was not going to, you know, (laughs) it was crazy. And now we have data to support it. And I know for a fact that Tennessee is paying influencers to promote this thing. So we're concerned about the population. Let's take away opportunity but let's get some more folks to come buy licenses and kill those birds. That seems a little counterintuitive to me. It's more than a little counterintuitive. Yeah. So, so let's hop in. Sorry. I I know I'm kind of taking the wheel right here, but this is my soapbox moment for Tennessee since I live here, (laughs) (laughs) but we're going to dive into a little bit of data that Bob and myself have collected. So I'll let you share Bob about Tennessee's non-resident license sales from the year 2021. Would you care to share how that went for us after the influencers promoted my no state? No problem, man. Well, from 2021, just from 2021, looking from there to the 2017 to 2019 season average, so a three-year average, 
because COVID license sales were down some for non-residents during COVID because restrictions and all that mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, compared to the previous three-year average, we were looking at a 74% increase in non-resident seven-day license, a 27% increase in annual license, and combine those two, we end up with a 45% increase in total licenses. And these are for non-resident license sales during the months of March through May. We For 2021, they saw 5,689 licenses sold compared to 3,900 in 2019. So you're looking at nearly a... <laughs> Looking at 2,000, nearly 2,000 more non-resident hunters uh, wow. in Tennessee in 2021 compared to 2019. And, you know, that doesn't even factor in the resident hunters who may have got fired up off this deal or because of COVID are now turkey hunting. But that's unreal to me. I mean, that's a, that's a huge increase. And to put it more into perspective, the majority of your non-resident hunters are coming those first 10 days of the season to take advantage of the opener. And the yeah. majority are also hunting public land. I yeah. mean, it's very front-loaded, and like I said, a lot of that is going to public lands, the pressure. Is. Yeah, I mean, I would I would think you'd have some of that maybe with guided hunts that maybe got canceled in 2020, that it could have had a more increase with that. But I, I would imagine, based on this figure, so quota hunts, you sent us this for Tennessee. What happened with spring quota hunt, the application From 2020 process? 2020 to 2021? Uh, Tennessee saw a 35% increase in applications for spring turkey quota hunt. Yeah, and, and our applications are in, I think it's January is when our application period is for quota. So 2020, those apps would have been in before COVID really had become a thing. And that's a true 35% increase is unbelievable. So how did that translate to harvest? You know, hey, we got less turkeys now. We got to reduce the bag limit from four to three. That's going to save them, hopefully. Harvest on public land, if we take 2016, 17, 18, and 19 seasons, that's four turkey seasons. Public land, WMAs, had 6,880 birds killed on the WMA property in four seasons. So that's an average of 1,720 birds. Again, we took out 2020 because that is an outlier year. We're not going to use that for our data because everybody understands that's an outlier. 2021, we saw a harvest of 2,438 birds on our WMAs. That's a 41.7% increase over the four-year average prior. That's significant. So that's very significant <laughs> <laughs> and and paid to do that. So that they took potentially my money from my license sales, the state of Tennessee did, and distributed that to influencers to promote hunting in my state. And, and kill 42% more turkeys on public land. That that rubs me the wrong way, personally. And more so at the state than anything, you know. It, it's I'm not going to blame anybody for trying to make a living, you know. I, I do think things could be handled a little better in that way, but people trying to make a living, that's, you know, that's fine. The state of Tennessee does not need to be paying influencers in the same year that they're reducing bag limit. That. If we're at record turkey numbers and nobody's hunting them and they're overthrowing our cities, yeah, come on. Let's get some folks here to take them down, you know. I'd love to see that. But that's that's statistically amazing to me that we had a 45% increase in non-resident licenses and a 41.7% increase in WMA harvest in the year 2021. It was a madhouse here. I saw it with my own eyes. But Tennessee's not the only state. Bob has got lots more information. So I don't know. Oh. 
what you would like what where would you like to let's, go next bob we got seven or go, eight states let's go to the neighbor to the north of tennessee oh good old kentucky yeah well bob would you like to i like bourbon kentucky? let's talk about kentucky <laughs> well apparently kentucky some other folks do. <laughs> it was one of the covid closure states last year they closed down to non-residents so once again 2020 outlier we're throwing it out but from 2019 to 2021 Kentucky saw a 21% increase in non-resident turkey permit sales. You're looking at approximately 14, 1,500 more non-resident hunters in Kentucky in 2021 than you had in 2019. So they experienced a similar, not quite as bad as Tennessee, but pretty significant increase. I don't know how much of that, how much of that would you attribute, you know, they have a big increase. Tennessee's was worse. Would you attribute to opening date for season in Tennessee being earlier? You know, do, do you think that, uh, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Do you think, because we'll, we'll go I south here believe, in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I believe, believe Tennessee's earlier opener. Cause folks flock to those early openers I and mean, all across the southeast, just a migration nowadays. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I would think Andy and Alabama, y'all, you know, recent change of moving the date back to march 25th will be helpful in this regard and then your wmas also open even later most of them at least is that correct that's correct but there's still national forest land that's open yeah at so the same time that the general season opens in the state and now you know we talked about this i don't think it was last week i believe it was the week before that we talked about georgia moving their start date back later in the season and by doing that and you know they they implemented a lot of changes there lower bag limit one bird per day yeah by doing that now you've got hunters in georgia looking at alabama looking at mississippi and saying hmm yeah so our season opens now this april 2 we can travel over to well, Alabama for seven days. How about days. Florida too? We can travel yeah. to Florida. North we can Florida. travel to Alabama. Actually, and, uh, Alabama, all WMAs and National Forest in Alabama starting next spring on open until April first. That's for National Forest as well. Oh, is wow. it? So okay. basically, That's... if you're a Georgia hunter uh, looking for somewhere to hunt in March, you have Florida or Mississippi if you're lucky enough to draw Mississippi. Yeah. That's a big change. So talk about that, Bob, because I don't believe that was public knowledge until this week. I think it was released by the state of Mississippi this week. Is that correct? Yeah, Mississippi Mississippi. put out a press release. I believe it was sometime last week uh, saying starting next spring. What's proposed right now, it's not final. Yeah, they have a comment period, but it's proposed for next spring for the first two weeks of their season. Non-residents are going to have to draw to be able to hunt public land in Mississippi. And it also said in that press release that non-resident license sales had doubled for the early season during the just in the past two double just two years. Non non-resident license sales have doubled <laughs> in the last two years for the early season. Yes, that's what it said. Well, let let me ask you Holy this. Holy cow! You think that it's possible Mississippi might be getting promoted a little bit as well? I believe it's very possible. I know you type in public land turkey hunting and youtube i mean it comes up pretty quick yeah speaking of that just for kicks you know we've discussed three states here i typed in public land turkey hunting on youtube and sorted it by most views would you care to guess what the top three are 
Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your top three videos. Really? That's yeah. Tennessee with 330,000 views. That's mm. – or no, no, sorry, sorry, I, I didn't mean to shortchange. 390,000 views is Tennessee in, in the number two place. A That's, lot of exposure. That sure is a lot of folks. I, yeah. And, and apparently quite a few of them decided they wanted a piece of that action. <laughs> I mean, you influence a half a percent of 300,000. That's still a pretty good chunk of folks right there. I mean, that's... Mm. Yeah, so... Interesting data. I mean, Mississippi, and, and what's more interesting to me is we're residents of these states that are getting hit like this. We're losing opportunity because of it. I I lost a bird off my bag, you know, and I, I agreed with the change because it's in the name of the wild turkey. Three still plenty, but last year I could have killed four birds. I called another one up and filmed him and everything. I could have taken it. I don't even know that I would have shot him anyway, but I would have had the opportunity to keep carrying a gun. And that's been taken from me because of this stuff happening. You have Mississippi, you know, I I, I really like what they did. They did Ooh, not yeah. they didn't kill their residents or take opportunity from your resident hunters. They took it from the non residents. They're still giving ample opportunity, but they're using a quota system to get it back to the normal non resident pressure that they know they can withstand. I love that. I mean, I think that's... And they can still come hunt Mississippi uh, those last few days of March and the whole month of April wide open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you still have opportunity to have non-residents, but Mississippi obviously understood if we don't do something March 15th, you know, 2022 is going to be crazy because we'll be the only ones in <laughs> other than South Zone of Florida. Yeah, that, you know, that to me, I think is a great approach and... I actually went online and put my two cents in about that proposed rule because I think it's important that our opinions be heard. You know, the state wants to know what's going on, what we think about this. And to me, it's brilliant. Why would you take opportunities away from your residents? Oh, and why would you take a lot of opportunities away from your non-residents? But why not limit some of that pressure? And the only thing I spread it out. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about the proposed rule of Mississippi is these applications to draw, to be able to hunt public land in Mississippi the first two weeks, no cost. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny because most people enjoy saving money, but especially cheap me loves to save me. I mean, (laughs) I'm still driving around. My mirror is still broken off from, from Michigan on my car. I'm cheap as they get, but I would throw five bucks to Mississippi to put in for their quota in a heartbeat. And that's one thing that surprises me because of outside of Turkey, folks don't mind throwing money out to apply. You know, if you apply out west somewhere, oh, you're going to be spending way more than five or ten bucks. You know, some of those states you have to buy a license before you can even apply. And it just seems like Turkey in general is shortchanged all across the eastern United States as far as in regards to, you know, these quota hunts and everything. It's interesting that you say that, Bob, because of a couple of reasons. With this increase in attention that the wild turkey is getting, and it's not just the big two or three social media influencers that I'm sure people are running around in their heads right now. This is 
across the board. You know, you have people who specialize in, maybe they specialize in duck hunting. Well, duck season's over and they have sponsors that they need to promote. So what, what should we do? Yeah. Oh, hey, it's springtime. Let's, let's go out and chase some turkeys. Oh, all yeah. we do is deer videos. That's all that we, you know, we just hunt deer and that's all we put out there. Well, next thing you know, deer season's over and you still have sponsors and your sponsors are wanting some attention. So what do you do? Oh, how about turkeys? So yeah, we're getting a lot of this, a lot of these hunters that started out being hunting just one particular animal that now are out there drawing more attention to turkeys. And so I think that turkeys should be getting the same attention from our game and fish department that our deer get, that our elk get, that our upland birds get, because they get a heck of a lot of pressure as well in certain parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And so to me, what, why would I care? I just, here's, I'm, an, I'm another good example, but I'm no different than, I can't even begin to guess how many people that listen to the show I paid 500 and something dollars in May to apply for a Kansas deer tag. Kansas got to hold my money for a solid month before they ever drew. So I'm not the only one. There are two other guys in my group. Well, there's three. I know they're not the only ones who are non-residents that put in for Kansas tags. So let's, let's just say there were, let's just say there were a thousand people. And I'm going to bet there were way more than a thousand non-residents who put in for Kansas tags. A thousand non-residents at 500 and let's just say it was 50, let's just say 550 each times a thousand. 550,000. Is sitting in an account with the state of Kansas getting a float. And for those of you that don't know what a float is, that is an account that's earning interest on money that is not theirs that's somebody else's money they're earning interest on that for a month's period of time and then those that draw a a license from the state license well the state gets to keep that 500 and something dollars those that don't well the state sends their 500 and something dollars back but that interest is sitting there for the state to pick up and what are you going to do with it well why would you not put it back into deer habitat and managing your deer population that's what made you the interest. Why are we not doing this for turkeys? It seems it makes logical sense to me for our wild turkeys that we just got through talking about them. Arizona does it for their wild turkeys. Why are more states yeah. not doing this? The wild turkey is getting crapped on as far as management goes and raising money for the states that people are going to hunt them in. Yeah. I mean, if we were in a directly correlated world, which a lot of brands and conservation groups and things would lead you to believe, you know, more hunters equals more turkeys. If the 45% increase in license sales in Tennessee translated to 45% more habitat improvements or habitat for turkeys in Tennessee, I'm game, you know, but it's not going to. There's probably no telling how much goes to CWD out of that and no telling where else it goes. And some of it's going to pay influencers to come here and do this. So it, there's no direct correlation to me. There is definitely a certain level where it becomes not a fair trade anymore. You have a good amount of hunters. We need hunters for license sales. I understand that because we need revenue. But I think we're over that cusp at this point, and we just have additional hunters, and the revenue is not helping. I don't. This goes maybe, to show the 
the importance of earmarked funding for things. Uh, yes. A few states actually have turkey stamps where the revenue generated from those turkey stamps does go back to the wild turkey. An example is Florida. Uh, you can go on FWC's website and actually uh, get a report and see how much revenue their turkey stamp generates and uh, the projects that that money's used for. Uh, Wisconsin, they have a turkey stamp fund. Uh, Arkansas started a voluntary turkey stamp in 2020. I believe it's about $9.50. And they raised, voluntarily, they raised over $105,000 just wow. in 2020 from that That's turkey stamp. I mean, I mean, their turkey hunters showed up. They show they care with that money earmarked. I'd buy one. Turkey management. Yeah, I mean, if it was voluntary in Tennessee, I'd buy it. Would you buy a voluntary mm. stamp in Alabama, Andy? If I knew that it was earmarked for wild turkeys, yes. Yeah. And yeah, Western I mean, states, that's a good point. Western states have, a, they're kind of co-equal as habitat stamps. You're required if you apply for Colorado for a big game hunt out there. If you turkey hunt in Nebraska, you buy a habitat stamp. If you apply for big game in New Mexico, you buy a habitat stamp. And what these habitat stamps are, they're earmarked funding for habitat improvements or, or actually public land management or even purchasing more public lands. I mean, once you buy that habitat stamp, that money is set for this purpose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that seems like a pretty easy deal. If money is the issue... For the wild turkey, for these agencies, every, I'm not going to say every turkey hunter. I would say the vast majority of turkey hunters I know would be willing to either pay more for a license for a good experience, or they would easily put an extra 10 bucks in on a habitat stamp. Most would agree with that, I would say. And, and I would much rather them raise license fees at this point for those who are, care about the turkey and hunt, and that's probably going to have to happen, than do promos to bring more hunters in. because more hunters equals more dead turkeys. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting deal. I mean, I know it's all a cause and effect deal, and and there's always a happy medium to certain things. But what we're seeing is is interesting. And and like you said, Andy, the turkey just seems like he's getting the shaft on it all. But also, I mean, I really don't believe anybody could have saw it coming at this level. No. I mean, it, like it changed so exponentially in just two or three seasons. Yeah, I mean specifically it's, uh, the now past we're gonna three. have to find that balancing act. Yeah, uh, you want to? I'll share Arkansas. Even I mean Arkansas, I wouldn't say is like the destination state of the world for everybody to go turkey hunting. It, it's not. No, it is not. <laughs> it's not the most loved state, and they even saw a thirty-five percent increase in their quota applications this past season. I mean that's Arkansas, like thirty-five percent increase in quota apps in Arkansas. I bet I would assume a bunch of that is due to the super slam mentality that's going around. But I mean, that's pretty, pretty crazy. And you sent us some data on Missouri that I thought was interesting, Bob. Would you want to share that? Yeah. Missouri didn't see a giant one year increase. Or yeah. This like was more that. interesting to me. They saw an 8% increase in non-resident sales from 2017 to 2020. Well, to 2021, but over the past decade, from starting from 2011 to 2021, they did see a 41% increase in non-resident sales. Uh, yeah. The one thing Missouri data shows, though, is that this could be cyclical because Missouri, back in the late mid 2000s, they were selling as many as 9,500 non-resident permits. And now we're at 7,900, but mm -hmm. that was also at the peak of the turkey population. So yeah. with turkey yeah. population rose and rose, more and more non-residents began to go. And then in the late 2000s, early 2010s, Missouri had a string of bad hatches. 
and you can look at the data and the non-resident numbers just steadily tank. And then Missouri had a few good hatches in the mid-2010s, and those numbers begin to climb. But interestingly, most recently, this past spring, Missouri had their lowest harvest in modern times, and yet non-resident permits were the highest they've been since 2008. Turkey numbers low, non-resident permits highest in over a decade. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rough combo. It, it, the data is crazy if you look back at like 2005 and six, Missouri was killing 57,000 and 54,000 birds. I mean, that's <laughs> they must have been standing on top of each other. <laughs> and and that's re- a three week season and a, and a one bird the first week. I mean, that's yeah. wild. And, and their non resident sales were out, you know way high their total permit sales were at 120,000 now their permit sales are at 78,000 with a non-resident sales back up to the level that they were so a lot of those are non-residents now and their mm-hmm. harvest is down to 34,000 to about 20,000 birds less with just as much non-resident pressure and it does look like a significant decline in resident pressure for Missouri for last year at least so that that's interesting to me cuz that's another thing that I've always thought Instead of these promotions and things like that, if there's turkeys everywhere, I think you're going to have a lot of participation. If the turkey population rises, I believe your hunter population of turkeys will rise as well. And same with the decline. Because if I don't, if I take somebody hunting and they hear 10 different birds gobbling and get to experience that, they're probably going to want to go again. You know, <laughs> if I take somebody to Arkansas and they don't hear a turkey for three weeks, they don't really want to do this much longer. You know, <laughs> It's pretty simple to me in that in that way that what if the goal of increasing our hunter numbers, we just tied it to, hey, if we can fund more turkeys, hunters will follow. I think that doesn't get explored enough. I agree. I think that, you know, this and it, it, it's, it just sounds so crazy to say it, but we're no different. We humans are no different in what we hunt than a coyote is and if your rabbit population is really good your coyote population in a year or two is going to be really good and they're going to be hunting and killing more rabbits well then your rabbit population starts to die off and a year two years later your coyotes start to die off and that population goes down and i think that that cycle will be true to an extent with wild turkeys but at what level is the population of the wild turkey going to have to drop to make someone like me or you or Bob say, nope, not going turkey hunting? Yeah, I think it would have to be negative one population for me to get to that point. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. I, I, I guess my first step would probably be I'm not going turkey hunting with a gun. <laughs> I'll right. go hunt them, just, just not kill them. I guess that's that's probably what you're saying. At what point do you put down the gun? And I, you know, Missouri, looking at the permit sales, I think they're seeing that. People who maybe they have 100 acres of private land in their family and they used to have turkeys all over it. And now the turkey population's gone. That guy's not buying a permit anymore. So Missouri's also doing a big poult study, aren't they? Yeah, there's actually a lot of wild turkey research going on across the eastern U.S. And hopefully here in the next few years, we have some answers. Yeah. So I know Tennessee's had one going on a while. That's when they have those experimental regions, those experimental WMAs. And the, mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully we can get some answers here soon. 
Yeah, they just extended our study another year. And I wish, I think I texted you about this, Bob, how certain studies seem like they need to get put on the back burner and we need to have those funds going towards turkey production levels because there's like a lot of studies it seems like going on about gobbling activity and you know what does barometric pressure affect turkey gobbling and and these type things of like what makes them gobble well that you know that's cool like i I, i'm interested in it and the and the answers it brings forth but that's not going to help save more turkeys so <laughs> no not when poult recruitment and habitat degradation uh, th- those are two of your key factors right now and another thing and all the current talks surrounding turkey populations and a turkey decline you don't really see mother nature brought into the equation enough drought particularly in oklahoma that i've kind of been on my mind some oklahoma just dropped their bird to a statewide one bird bag limit and yeah. western oklahoma in the past five, six years, has had some pretty stressful drought periods, and that definitely affects turkey reproduction, same way with bobwhite bob quail. During those drought years, it can kind of be boom or bust. Uh, well, a lot of folks are familiar with Texas and how crazy it can be with the wild turkey hunting. Well, drought can be a major player in Texas as well. And mm-hmm. I never once saw the western Oklahoma drought mentioned in any press release, uh, any talks or anything, in that decision to drop Oklahoma to a one-bird bag limit. Heavy rainfall can definitely affect your hatch in the eastern U.S. and the southeast. Mm -hmm. That peak and valley now may be farther apart. We may be seeing bigger or bigger valleys. I mean, with these some of the current harvest levels, but turkey populations have always had some cyclical. Have always been a little bit cyclical. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're delicate. One or two hatches away from good times again. We really could. I mean, back to back bumper hatches can really do can really do a number. Yeah. I know in my area this summer, uh, hatch is way better than it's been the past two years. Well, that's uh, good. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, that's just such a local condition or a local phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've been in, I've hunted in parts of Alabama that have had bad hatches for a couple of years. And the hunting is what you would expect. And then... I go to other areas in the state and the population's really good and they had good pop, you know, good hatches those same two years. And, you know, I I just like today, I look at the radar today and it is a frog strangler in Birmingham. I mean, it's raining drops so big you couldn't even wrap your arms around them and there was not a fraction (laughs) of an inch in between the drops. But you look, you know, my property south of town, which is, 45, 50 minutes away, not raining. Mm. And it doesn't take but one or two drops that big hitting a, hitting a few poults, and you just wipe them out. Uh, and obviously that last statement's a joke, but you get, <laughs> you get where I'm I didn't know what kind of science you were referencing there, but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I ain't when they look up at the rain and them drops hit them just right and they drown. Oh, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I love the old tales of people. Yeah. Those, are, those are the best. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to halfway change subjects. I wonder if the people that, that would say, used to stay, used to say stuff like that were actual, the old turkey hunters that didn't want you out there in the woods. I don't even hunt turkeys. They're so stupid. When it starts raining, they yeah. look up and they drown. Yeah, he's got a box of beards under his bed somewhere. <laughs> we need to get more of them turkey hunters back. Yeah, well. that's a fact, but. Bob, you made a good point. You know, it, it's not all doom and gloom because when the good Lord designed the turkey, they are created 
to be very productive under the right conditions. If one turkey can turn into 12 poults, same with bobwhite quail, and they're seeing massive declines. So we, we, just, we need to figure out what conditions humans can influence. To a T, we need to know what can the human influence do for them to, you know, if Mother Nature complies, for them to boom. And that, that's a good point exactly. that two hatches and, and we're back, you know, is on. We're turkeys everywhere because they, they can multiply at unbelievable levels. That's They're designed to do that. So that that is an excellent point. It's not all doom and gloom. If we can figure this deal out, we can turn things around. Right now, it does not look good, you know. <laughs> and we all know what happened to the quail and their state. And it's hard not to compare turkeys and quail because we've seen what happened with the quail. The quail are gone, and a turkey is a very large quail, very similar species. It's hard not to compare and, and be worried about it. So that that's what that was a good point you made that it's possible to turn this thing around, obviously. Now, speaking of quail, I mean, think about this for a minute. If you change and lower the bag limits on quail, would that bring them back? No, no. Just kind of, just kind of ponder on that. Yeah, I but. mean, it, it, the bag limit changes. You know, Tennessee going from four to three. I think by my calculation, that saves like maybe a couple thousand gobblers. There, it's only like less than five percent of people actually would fill their full bag limit at four. So, but is that going to bring them back? I don't know. But if your state is paying influencers to promote the state and you increase your non-resident licenses sold by 45% and those 2,000 hunters come in and kill one bird, what have you done? Yeah. You've you've limited your residents. You've limited your residents so that your non-residents can come in. Now, who's benefiting there? Well, I guess the state is because they're selling a license for more money to a non-resident than they are a resident. Yeah, the state benefits. The the residents get shafted. That's, again, why I thought the Mississippi change was awesome. All the other changes I've seen, especially Georgia, with their move back— and Bob, you may know this. I know it had been proposed that their WMAs statewide would open even later in Georgia, but I haven't seen that that actually passed. Is that true that the WMAs will open later? Actually, uh, I do know it is true because, spoiler alert, right now you can go ahead and apply for Georgia WMA turkey hunts, uh, for the quota hunts. Mm-hmm. You have like the longest application period ever. For this yeah. <laughs> and i went to apply or get my yearly point and i saw yeah the wmas are in fact moved back last year a lot of these wmas opened march 20th for 2022 the earliest opener i believe is going to be april the 9th so wow. a loss of three weeks for the public land hunters in georgia that's and then also and- i noticed three WMAs I never saw on the draw list before and yeah I saw that so some of your local hunters could have your local public land hunters man it it could really take a toll on their entire turkey season yeah I mean that and do you know I I obviously am savvy on the fact that Tennessee's paying influencers does Georgia have any partnerships with influencers to your knowledge or would you believe they do I did see one influencer publicly admit being partnered with Georgia so wow so there you go again. They just shafted their residents, especially your public land residents. You just lost three weeks off your season, and yet they're promoting the state through influencers. That is, that's unbelievable to me. And mm-hmm. I actually found a quote online from one of, well, actually from their state wild turkey coordinator, 
So it says, because hunting pressure is greater on public lands, we opted to make that opening date closer to pink incubation, which occurs around the second week of April in Georgia. I mean, right there, because hunting pressure is greater, and it just keeps getting greater and greater. And what did they expect? You hired yeah. people to promote it. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, maybe I'm the last one to realize it. I didn't even realize states were using state funds to pay influencers. I, I honestly had no idea that was occurring. <laughs> but I don't think hardly anybody knew it. I mean, I wasn't very savvy to it until I stumbled across that uh, Arizona thread, and it kind of blew my mind. I mean, I, man, I, had, I kind of had an idea some influencers may be getting something, but wow, man, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah it, Andy, you said it last week on the show. They sure seem like a lot of the influencers hit the same states every year, you know, together. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. Yeah. It, uh, speaking of one of those states, we have some stats on Wisconsin. You know, I'm, I'm kind of just plugging states in here for statistics because I like all the data we have and I want to share it. But that's one that got plugged pretty hard in the 2019 season, I believe it was, by multiple, not calling one name out there, there was multiple influencers plugging the state of Wisconsin. And, Bob, you sent us some stats on their applications for 2021. What happened there? Whew. Man. <laughs> well, Wisconsin, uh, their turkey application history is pretty interesting as well. One of the things you hear commonly is that hunter numbers were on decline. I don't know about y'all two. But I have a feeling y'all and most of your listeners to the podcast will agree turkey hunter numbers haven't been on the decline in a long, long time. Agree. No, absolutely agree. And a lot of the, some of this data shows that, especially in terms of non-residents. It wasn't just COVID that caused the spike and made people want to travel. There was yeah. a slow, slow increase this whole way, and Wisconsin shows it, I mean— from 2016 to 2018, there was a slow increase. And then numbers, uh, application numbers did drop to, uh, and for 2019 and slightly for 2020, of course, COVID. But, man, uh, for 2021, <laughs> you're looking at 150,000 applicants, uh, 17,000 more applicants than 2020, uh, 12,000 more applicants than 2019. And I'm assuming it was an all-time high for 2021. 150,000 people applied for a turkey tag in Wisconsin. I'm That's not a... sure if that people or uh, they may tally that different because it's, it's applications is the data I got. Oh, okay. Can so, they, uh, I, I think guess you Wisconsin, can. You make an apply for two periods. I don't know if they consider that two applications a person or one person, but yeah, even if it's half, 75,000 people, still a lot of people. That's a few folks. I don't know how many acres of uh, public land Wisconsin has, but housing 75,000 folks would be pretty tough. Well, they're not all hunting uh, public either, though. Yeah, I'll vouch personally for Wisconsin pressure in 2020. I was on a little turkey tour myself and basically kind of ran out of states because of limits and COVID restrictions. And I visited Wisconsin in 2020, and it was not pretty. It's mm -hmm. actually one of the few times I have ever cut a turkey trip short because I just couldn't deal with it. It got to the point it was unenjoyable. Mm. I mean, it, I never saw nothing like it. Uh, it was pretty wild. I heard, that is, and primarily non-residents, interesting enough, on the public lands. Yeah. See, I heard the same thing about Wisconsin in 2019, that there were 
were people leaving Wisconsin, non-residents leaving Wisconsin because there was so much pressure, mm-hmm. so many people on the land that they were going to hunt. I tell you, I, a scary statistic for me with Wisconsin from this past year, you had that, all right, 150,000 applicants, obviously a lot of enthusiasm to hunt Wisconsin. They had their lowest bag since 1999, their lowest harvest. That's Those two things shouldn't go together unless you're experiencing a pretty large turkey decline, in my opinion. Either that or you had some pretty poor hunters show up this year. <laughs> I mean, that's 1999 is a long time ago. That's that's 22 seasons ago. And they hit that mark again this year with that kind of enthusiasm about the state. So I wonder if what you saw up there, Mr. Bob, in 2020 has anything to do with that low bag for 2021. May have been a few less birds on the landscape. I can't help but speculate it did because of carryover. Carryover does make a difference. And yeah. when you have that amount of pressure, it, it just so happens I noticed that the region I hunted did experience the largest percent decline from 2020 to 2021. Looks wow. like there was about a 23% decrease in the bird harvest. Of course, I mean, once again, Mother Nature. I mean, it, yeah. it, it looked like been the board, they were down 12 to 24% nearly. Uh, I'm sure the 20, I guess that'd be the 2019 hatch probably wasn't the greatest. I just found it ironic that the region I hunted where the out-of-state pressure was just horrendous on, was, didn't, it decreased by 23% the harvest from 2020 to 2021. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, there is always mother nature, but to have the lowest harvest since 1999, you know, there's, there's been other periods in there of, of bad weather and that kind of thing. That That's real interesting to me. I mean, that. That really concerned me when I knew what took place with Wisconsin, you know, and the people are just fired up about going to Wisconsin, especially late. It seems like when you can just go buy a tag every day deal. And I wonder if they'll have to make modifications there because luckily for that state, at least they do limit, you know, they can't oversell their permits because they set a number, you know, so at least they have that in place. The number's pretty high because they usually are selling the heck out of them at the end, but you know, I, I do like the way Wisconsin manages their permits and spreads out the pressure throughout the season, not too much early. You know, they they have a good system there. I don't know if I would particularly yeah. like it if I was a resident, but it is a, a good system, I suppose. Well, I believe don't residents get preference in the drawing, in the initial drawing? Yeah, I mean, I think residents, like, you're pretty well insured to get a tag yeah. for one of those earlier seasons. So they do look out for the residents. Yeah, yeah. It, it theirs is interesting compared to other states. Theirs is a very unique system, I'd say. Another, I mean, the, if they do get in a situation, all they have to do is take a look at the number of permits and maybe reallocate them or reduce some numbers. Yeah, yeah. They I mean, have very a good, easily, and they set that permit number every year. You know, so I mean, they easily mm-hmm. can adjust if needed. And they're they're people who live there and stuff are used to that. I assume so. It would be a pretty easy transition. But interesting stuff there. A state that is very popular with Super Slam, Grand Slam, influencers, you, me, everybody, Florida. We've got some data on Florida. You know, it's they got the Osceola. There's no secret there. They're the only ones that got them. Obviously, they got a resource everybody wants, you know. So I thought it, it was interesting, the data you sent on Florida. And you, you made a point. They have the habitat stamp. And when I was 
in Florida, from my experience there, they seem like they manage their resource pretty good, you know, and they manage their WMA habitat the best they can. Now, some of it's very swampy, so <laughs> you got, yeah. there, there's only so much you can do. But I also think maybe their turkeys with the weather in Florida – you know, maybe they don't get cold driving rains like we do here, and maybe that helps with their populations. I'm not sure, but would you like to share some of the statistics on Florida? Because I think that's a state a lot of people are interested in. You sent us stuff on permit sales, the quota hunt applications. We got I got pages of information here. Would do you want to go through that, Bob? Yeah, we'll start out with the Florida non-resident turkey permit sales. Any non-resident who turkey hunts Florida has to have one of these permits. And like I said, fortunately, this money is earmarked for the wild turkey in Florida, for wild turkey management. So there is one benefit to these giant increases in sales. Yeah, I mean, but, that, uh, that does help in my opinion. Like in my mind, hey, at least they mm-hmm. raise more money for turkeys. Whereas with Tennessee, I can't say that, you know, <laughs> it makes me uh, feel once better. Once again, we're going to go off a look at a three-year average 2017 through 2019 there were increased permit sales each year uh, going to throw 2020 out cause covid looking comparing 2021 to that 2017 to 19 average there was a 40 percent increase uh, in non-resident permit sales turkey permit sales which ended up being about 1250 permits but like i said it's been increasing since 2017 i mean probably the only mm-hmm. year it's decreased i figure in the past decade was 2020 because of osceola but it's yeah. a pretty substantial hike, man in 2021 from that previous three-year average and then you can look at the quota hunt data for florida and it tells an even bigger picture about what's happening to public lands in florida from 2018 to 2021, across the state, non-resident applications increased 50%. During that same time period, resident applications increased 26%. Hmm. So the non-resident apps increased at a rate double of that of resident apps from 2018 to 2021. But more interestingly is when you look at that South Florida early opener zone, whereas statewide non-resident apps increased 50%. Those south zone non-resident apps increased 230% from 2018 to 2021. 2.3 times the number of non-resident applications to those south zone WMAs. That's pretty wild. And on a WMA basis, you saw increases across the board. uh, Just take a sample of 10 WMAs I picked out, teased out all the data. Out of 10 WMAs, only one didn't really see a change in non-resident applications. Four of them saw an increase of 100 to 200%. Three saw an increase of 200 to 400%. And two WMAs (laughs) actually had seven and a half times or more non-residents apply in 2021 than did in 2018. Just mind-blowing. How would you feel if you were a resident down there? A little bit of background on the Florida WMA quota hunts, their standard quota hunts, there is no cap on non-residents. Huh. So residents are losing opportunity at an alarming rate on these quota hunts. Now, I'm I'm just going to throw this out there and ask a question that I know neither of you can answer. But I wonder what percentage of that increase of non-resident applications have been put in by non-hunters? Yeah, I've heard that's a big problem in Florida, actually. I've heard that exact same thing because I've heard that like PETA will 
put in applications to try to take tags from us. <laughs> but, that actually happened. I believe it was in Montana or Wyoming, one of those states where they actually were going to have a grizzly bear season, but then didn't. Actually, non-hunter drew one of those grizzly tags. <laughs> that was his <laughs> intent the entire time. I mean, be, astronomical odds, dude drew it. <laughs> Wow. wow. But in Florida, they do got to pay. You have to buy a WMA permit to apply. So Hey, that, there you go. Come on, Peter. Thanks for the contribution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably I, helpful for the turkey population on those WMAs that they draw. I, I think within reason, we can safely assume that a large percentage of that non resident increase in applications was not non hunters. I think yeah, I mean, that a lot I of definitely it, don't think that's a big problem. I think a lot of it has to do with the attention that's been drawn to the area by some yeah. of the influencers. And Another the, thing I found pretty uh, pretty crazy was that on a few of these WMAs, one of them, well over half of the drawn hunters are non-residents now. And I've kind of tracked this WMA from 2017 to now, and the number of non-residents is steadily going up on the Mount Drawn. And... Another WMA, they're knocking on the 20% window now of non-residents being drawn for the hunt. And just back going back to 2018, it was, it was about 5%. So you're looking at a four times increase in the number of non-residents drawn for that hunt just since 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I So in 20... I guess it was 2019. No, it would have been 2020. I, I went to Florida and hunted a OTC Osceola hunt down there, and it, it was... I've had multiple people ask me about if I had ever been there, and it's one of the only times I'll be like, yep, been to that spot, and unless somebody drags my dead body there, I won't be back. That was That's always been my response because of the pressure. Of course, I guess I was kind of late to the game on it, but I wonder with the quota hunts, the point creep is bound to get crazy. I mean, I wonder if in 10 years, if, if drawing an Osceola quota hunt is going to be like like getting that grizzly tag or something. You know, like, is that going to be the next bighorn sheep? Uh, so, South Florida uh, quota hunts, Point Creek is already kicking in. I did a little, analyzed a little bit of that. And on some of these WMAs that you should draw with a point or two, they're already jumping up to three or four in just a span of three to four years so yeah. another two or three years man what you used to could hunt every other year now you're looking at maybe hunting every five or six and if they do put in a cap on non-resident that's when you start to get, yeah. that's when it's gonna be your once a decade hunt which is kind of sad yeah. i mean I, I, mm. but i mean i wouldn't blame them for doing that to the non-residents honestly like if i was a florida resident I would be contacting my wildlife commission, my commissioners, whoever sets the regulations there, and be, be a big advocate for it. I do not blame them one bit. Yeah, I, I've told multiple people, even if I'm not a resident of the state, I think the state needs to be taking care of their residents first. And exactly. I, I'll stand by that. Even if it doesn't benefit me, I'm, I will get behind anybody trying to take care of their people. You know, I think they need to be doing that. So. That's some interesting data uh, on Florida, and hopefully it doesn't become the bighorn sheep for non-resident, but like you said, if they put a cap on it, it's going to be real tough to get that. So you're going to be either spending some big money to go hunt with an outfitter, better be hoping you make a friend in Florida, or you're going to be kicking it on the uh, on the OTC public lands, which those are real fun. Have Have a good time with that. Well, 2022 definitely isn't looking pretty for Florida already. 
because I believe more influencers went down there this year than we've ever previously seen. And then with uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, all pushing seasons back, well, you're running out of places to go. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a solid point. I haven't considered that with South Florida because now, I mean, you got to think if I'm in Tennessee to extend my season, I could go hunt Florida first week, second week, or the third week, or the fourth week, and still extend my season. You know, I wonder how much of that's going to be happening because of other states doing that. Because now, you know, Mississippi, rather than the 15th non-residents that would go there, might be going to Florida. That's a that's something I haven't considered. It's just a chain reaction, really. I mean, as a non-residents lose opportunity in one state, they look to the next state, and then yep. that pressure problem that this one state is trying to resolve well now it's another state's problem there's yeah, no easy just, answer yeah that makes sense it's shifting around and you know i wonder to me how much of this is truly new never before turkey hunters that are that are doing this compared to are these turkey hunters who saw this stuff you know already skilled already educated turkey hunters who are seeing this from the influencers and realizing, hey, I can do this, and they're they're doing it now. You know, like these are massive increases in in all over the U.S. I just I feel like that's probably more of what's going on than it is like new activated brand spanking new turkey hunters. I, I do think we have quite a few of those coming on board. But if it's your first year turkey hunting, I don't think you're taking three trips to three different states. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean. I wonder how much of this is your good old boy who sees it online and thinks, huh, I got vacation days to burn. I got nothing going on. We'll get a couple of buddies and let's go, let's go on a turkey tour. I know I have friends that are doing that now that never before did that. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. And also alarming to me is how people chase the states that they see influencers go to. Yeah. Like I, I, That's crazy to me. I, I can't, I honestly can't say that I've been to a state because I saw it, you know, in a YouTube video. And I think that's where some of the, we're not trying to uh, talk against anybody traveling to turkey hunt. Oh, I no. mean, no, but that's, no. that's where we're kind of into this issue, I believe, is because of folks chasing the influencers. I mean, it honestly yeah. kind of blows my mind. I mean, I don't know why they don't want to do their own thing. I called an influencer out very early on when they used real imagery in a video and mm. that ship sailed very quickly as you can imagine but some are still showing landmarks in their videos and people hone in on that and what do you know they flock to that area i mean it ain't just a state non-residents are flocking to and they're chasing it's the region or even the exact wma or national forest yeah yeah pretty crazy man i, I think that that's probably a bigger issue you know the fact that they're going to that specific piece of public ground that the influencer went to and mm-hmm. you know there there's someone who listens to this show that I owe an apology to because after I went to the northeast a few years ago for the first time and came back and talked about the trip the dude messaged me on social media and said, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I was telling people about my trip. Why would you do that? Why would you direct people to these states up here? I said, well, I didn't really. I just mentioned about my trip. Well, don't you understand how, how lazy 
hunters are. They want someone to do all of the work for them. And then they just go and do what they, you know, go up there and hunt and kill. I said to him, look, I'm talking about four or five states, four or five states. You're talking about hundreds of millions of acres. I'm not even going to say hundreds of thousands, but millions of acres and probably millions of acres of public ground. And so what really did I hurt? And the dude said, there's just going to be more posted ground. And he's right. Mm -hmm. And and I, I mean, I can't remember who it was. If he's listening to this episode, I'm sorry. You're right. And going forward, there's, there's no more mentioning states coming from me because it is an issue. It truly is an issue. And that's what this whole episode is about, you know, and it's, and, and again, I think we've said it two times already. I'm about to say it a third. I'm sure it's going to be mentioned one or two or four more times. I can't put the blame for this on the influencers. You know, they they started doing this with the intention of being able to help people to be more successful. Kind of the reason why I started this podcast seven years ago. I did this with the intention of, of helping people. But now we're at that point to where we need to... St- Start thinking about helping the turkey yeah. and, and be much more serious about helping the turkey. Well, how can I help the turkey? Well, you want to go out of state, you listener of this podcast want to go out of state and hunt, do it. I encourage it. There's nothing like it. Getting to see the country, these United States, there's nothing like it. Go do the work yourself. And I and I, I don't mean that to be an a-hole, but that's truly about 80% of the fun. Yeah, and that's so much more rewarding when you do it yourself. So much more rewarding. It is. So, dude that messaged me on social media, you were right. (laughs) I was wrong. You were ahead ahead of of your times, man. Yeah, he he was ahead of his time because this this was about three years ago, maybe four years ago now. On his part. Yeah, and so I'm sorry. You're right. I can't. I can't and won't go back and change that episode or any of the episodes where I've named names because there's named names of states because there's too many of them. But going forward, you guys are on your own. It's, yeah. it's part of the adventure. Yeah, that's a, I think you had a key point there that, that needs to be said. And, and uh, you know, maybe if there's an overwhelming voice telling these people that we're all guilty of it. We've all talked about how great certain states were. I've done it. You've done it. Times Bob's have changed. Done it. Bob's done it. Mm-hmm. Times have changed. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. And, it, you know, if you're influencing 350, 390,000 people and you name a state, that in itself is going to drive a, a huge amount of traffic, as we've seen, to that state. So it, it, no one is blaming you for what's happened in the past. We're all aware of it at this point. If it continues to happen, it, it's got to stop. I mean, it just has to stop. I do blame the state of Tennessee for using funds last year. Absolutely. That's still <laughs> that's still upsetting to me. Again, can't blame somebody for trying to make a living, but states need to quit paying folks. These people can make plenty off of partnerships with, you know, products and things like that, like they've been doing for all these years. And let's go hunt. Show us your videos. Just don't tell us where it took place. That, that's what needs to happen. If y'all don't mind, I kind of want to go over a quick little social media timeline real quick. Yeah, please. The OG hot spotting 
or giving out too much info is hunting forums. And hunting forums became popular back in the mid-2000s, and I've been avid participant since then. To this day, once you post something on a hunting forum, it is there forever yeah. in most mm-hmm. circumstances. And But from the hunting forums, they started dying out in the mid-2000s, and then we got Facebook groups. And yeah. some of these are such a cesspool, I, I don't even want to hardly, ugh. But turkey hunting Facebook, group, Facebook groups, man, that, there's something else. And it just blows my mind what people will share on some of these groups that have 30 or 40,000 members. Like, oh, they'll tell you what road to go and kill a turkey on. And some of them is great information. And this is also about the same time, uh, I believe it was 2015, 16, I started seeing Instagram get big with hunting influencers. And then it's just evolved from there. You know, it was around 2017, 18, what I call the YouTube turkey area. And then Facebook groups really exploded. And same way with the Instagram influencers since about 2017, 18, it's just increased exponentially, it seems. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting timeline because you can see kind of the evolution also of like social media. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a, a forum deal on, on the internet. You know, they're all like, like old gobbler. It's like super old school, you know, and then evolves to Facebook. And I mean, I don't know that you can be in a Facebook turkey hunting group if your first question isn't, you know, hey, I just moved to this state. What public land should I go to? I mean, I, I, I bet yeah. like that gets posted 600,000 times a day on Facebook. And it's people interesting looking at your demographic on each form, on each different social media thing, like the hunting forums, normally your older hunters and generally more experienced hunters. And then your Facebook groups, you just get a plethora. I mean, a little bit of everybody. And uh, it seems like on their YouTube, you know, it's uh, and Instagram, you know, a lot of your younger hunters. Yeah, 20s, 30s. That's interesting. That is true. And you, you made like what's in. You made a point like what people share blows your mind. I, I see it all the time where somebody does that sob story about how they just moved to so and so and need some help, which who knows if that's even true. And though <laughs> somebody will comment under it and be like, "Oh yeah, man, it's you ought to go right here," and you'll hear them gobbling. You know, I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Like. I haven't even taken my own brothers to about six of my favorite spots. They've never been with me. I offered for one of them to go, and I told him he would have to wear a blindfold, and he got kind of upset and decided not to go. And I said, fine, you're not going then. You know, like I, I'm, it, it just blows my mind that people are that forthcoming with information. Well, we've all benefited from that, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it has been... It is like interesting when you it almost feels like you stole information from somebody even though they gave it freely. You know, I've yeah. I've found multiple spots from people posting a video or something where they show their Onyx screen. Yeah. I can't tell you how many places I've gone like that. Like I I, <laughs> I can't I mean, the, it's actually the, a fun game if you think it may be a legit Onyx screen trying to find where they're hunting. I know folks who uh have sedentary computer jobs, and they will spend an astronomical amount of hours taking down to where some of these folks are hunting. Oh, yeah. Well, you can, you know, it has the little blue dot, shows their locations. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable to me that people will do that, like risk showing that. It, my, I think, like, my Onyx password and login would, I would probably, I, I don't know what else I would withhold before that, but that, that would be one of the last things you'd get out of me in a torture test, you know. <laughs> So, yeah. so you're telling me it would take more than waterboarding? 
to get some information out of you? I mean, I'd tell you my bank account. I'd give you all the money, and you could have anything else. It's just, you know, it'd be pretty near death before the before I started sharing pins or a, or a login to all my information, you know? Yeah, yeah. But well, interesting stuff. It we is. Got, it's just a different culture, like you do. You know, we've discussed. We know where we've been. We've all been there. We're not better than anybody. I have. I, I can't stand when that's like the go-to for everybody. Well, you've done it too, and all stuff. I agree. I had somebody reach out uh, after the Chubbs podcast and be like, "Well, you're such a hypocrite." They literally called it me a hypocrite, and I was like, "Did you listen to the intro? We introed as the hypocrite. We talked about how hypocritical <laughs> we were." <laughs> We we introed as the hypocrite podcast as co hypocrites. Like I, I I literally said that I was like, yeah I, I know dude I get it. Yeah we, and we understand. Yeah. yeah and we're all selfish, but we're also passionate turkey hunters, just like the influencers, just like the people following them. But we see the direction this bird's going. We see some very easy, very easy changes that could be made, such as withholding information, and I think those just need to happen. Because, to me, the only reason the state is mentioned, because I've wondered why why they care so much. Like, why do they have to list the state for their YouTube videos? It drives traffic to the video. You know, like I said, I looked up. If you look up Tennessee turkey hunting, it's going to come up Tennessee public land turkey hunt and by so-and-so. You know what I mean? And, and so that's that's it. But they're going to have to ditch that. we got to, we got to change. we got to quit naming states. We're just in a world where that can't happen anymore. I mean, 10 years ago, you could name a WMA and it wouldn't have totally destroyed it and dismantled it. But nowadays, you, you pretty much can. Yeah, this is very true. And, you know, this... If this trend continues of our states paying for some attention, some publicity about our public lands, then we public land hunters, and yes, I do hunt public lands in my own state, even though I do hunt a lot of private ground, but we're going to have fewer and fewer opportunities. And when we get those opportunities, we're going to have more and more pressure. We're going to have fewer birds. And what is that going to mean? I'll promise you, I'm not going to stop turkey hunting. So if I'm having less opportunities on public ground, I'm going to be hunting private ground, and I'm not going to be the only one. And what is that going to do to leases? What is that going to do to my good buddy, John Doe, that gave me permission to hunt his property last year? He's likely to say no. What is that going to do to the cost of the hunting club memberships, the cost of... All of it is just going to continue to go up. That and is a fact. We're we're going to price ourselves out of this. So, you know, I, I would say to the people listening to this show, first and foremost, and, and I'm working on it on my end, call your state, wildlife, or game and fish department, whatever it is, ask them, hey, these are public dollars that they're spending. That's your money they are spending. Ask them if they're paying influencers to come and feature your state, public hunting in your state. And if they are, ask them to stop. One phone call, probably not going to work. A thousand phone calls to the powers that be, they're going to start to raise some eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. And just tell them to stop. Again, we're not putting any blame on on the influencers. You offer a piece of candy to a kid, I'm going to get onto that kid if he doesn't accept it. Yeah. Why would these... These influencers not take the state's money. 
I don't get yep. that. There, there's no reason for them not to. So they shouldn't have the opportunity to get it in the first place. Bingo. Uh, if you're in Tennessee, I can promise you, I'm reaching out to them. I'm letting them have it, and I'm letting them know my thoughts on it. So I'd appreciate some backup in Tennessee on this deal, as I've confirmed at this point. And Georgia, you might want to start looking into something. You just lost three weeks off your public land opportunities. If you live there, I think I'd be uh, checking things out to see if that was a self-inflicted wound, and if so, they need to stop. So like Andy said, one call is not going to do it. It's going to be mass awareness because I just learned all this personally within like the last week. You know, I mean, I, I Me was totally unaware that that was even a, a thing. So it, it is, it's been confirmed. We know it now. We got to, we got to, you know, bring it to light, share this information with others and, Make your own judgments. If you feel led to do it, send your commissioner or whoever an email regarding these topics. Because at least here on this podcast, we're for the resident hunter. I mean, that <laughs> I am. You know that that's the guy that that doesn't need to have his benefit cut off. So, Florida residents, I urge you to contact your state wildlife commission because it could get even uglier. Yep, probably will. Probably yep. will, Bob. Yeah. Stating the obvious, I love to hunt out of state. Mm-hmm. And so here I am saying to these other states, you better be looking to do something. I love to hunt out of state, but I love the wild turkey more. And yes. I'm, I'm going to finish my super slam. I'm going to finish it, God willing. And if it means that a particular state limits me, limits my opportunities to be able to do it, then it's just going to take me longer to do it. Oh, well. It's going to make it that much more special when I finish it. Yep. Amen. Yep. Well, Bob, I truly appreciate your effort on gathering this data and for sharing it with us and for taking the time to to talk with us. And I'm not going to tell folks where they can reach you like uh, we normally do. (laughs) Bob McCatterly. You put together, I mean, you spent hours and hours and hours to put this data together and reached you know, out to a lot of state agencies and uh but i'm a data nerd man i truly enjoyed every minute of it. a little bit disappointing when i got down to the results but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but if you know being able to share that with the average listener because we can speculate all day long you yeah. know oh well that's because of this or that's because of that or you it know it was covid you know right but when you see the hard and fast numbers, the black and the white, to me, it's pretty cut and dry that, you know, there's influencers influencing and it's up to us to protect our resources in our home state. And that needs to start with a phone call to the states. Yep. So it's, yeah, that's well said. what you did putting all that together, man. I know that's a ton of data that you've gone through and that you've gathered and a lot of phone calls that you've made and emails that you've sent and it's appreciated very much no problem i don't plan on stopping good well maybe you know if we see some other trends good bad ugly great hopefully good trends maybe we can get you back we'll do another data-centered discussion such as this but I think this is an eye-opening episode. I think it's going to hit some folks with some stats that they would have never seen otherwise. 
because like Andy said, it took you a long time to do all this and compile the data. And so awesome job. Thank you. And hopefully we'll do it again sometime, Mr. McCatterly. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Good deal. See you later. Thanks, Bob. This is another one that could have gone on for another oh my gosh. 30 minutes and still touched on new information yeah i mean i think we may have to get bob back at some point maybe some info on on other states because i'm sure this will spark people in you know north carolina or south carolina or you know maryland to think whoa wonder what you know it looks like in my state these days so i think that that's going to be an interesting thing i wonder if a lot more folks will be digging into that now but interesting stuff i mean Around the horn, you know, because with the way you and I are with traveling to turkey hunt, and most folks are these days, it's almost like our hunting grounds are the whole U.S. now, you know? (laughs) So what happens in one state is very interesting to me, whereas, you know, if I never left the borders of Tennessee, I would care less what happened, you know, in Mississippi, but now it's very interesting to me. Yeah. So interesting stuff. We were serious towards the end there. Contact your state officials if you have concerns. These people listen to you. I've talked to my commissioner often, very, very, you know, understanding, and she will bring it up to the other commissioners, and I know this. So it's definitely worth your time to send an email or try to get in contact with your, you know, state turkey coordinators or commissioners or whoever it is setting your limits and laws and expressing your ideas, if they're good ones. If they're bad ones, don't, you know. (laughs) Well... It still just blows me away that these states are paying people to promote hunting a particular species and then pulling away opportunities from for that resident. species to be hunted from the residents and non-residents as well. You know, yeah. When but... Alabama cuts their, their limit back, when Tennessee cuts their bag limit back, when Georgia cuts their bag limit back, they're not cutting it just on residents. And so... yeah. It's, you know, they got partnerships. I know Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee for sure has partnerships with influencers that they're paying. And that just all three of those states are reducing opportunity at the same time. So it's very counterintuitive. Very. It is. I mean, especially the resident public land turkey hunter. He is who is suffering right now because Georgians, you just lost three weeks off your off your season if if you hunt a wma if you hunt one of those two wmas that's been over the counter for all these years now you have to draw it you know i mean you you just lost a ton of opportunity for your residents and it's self-inflicted because of the pressure on public land you know that's that's one thing bob pointed out that the georgia coordinator said public land pressure is too high so we're cutting it back you know they did it to themselves tennessee's doing it to themselves and i already have most likely almost certainly by next season i don't know when they'll pass those but i've heard there's going to be some more changes so it's just i'm going to be pretty upset if i end up with a two-week season and a one bird limit in my home state because they paid influencers to come do that to me (laughs) i'm going to be very upset actually yeah well because four to three birds is pretty easy to swallow for me i mean that not a huge reduction I still kind of blows my mind they did that the same year that you know they're paying folks, but it yeah. gets much more restrictive. I'm I'm going to be pretty fired up about it. So 
Yeah. Just how we, we using our license dollars to do it too is really just what crawls all over me. If you, yeah, if, I mean, if the state specific. wants to promote squirrel hunting in the state, I'm all for it. If you, if the state wants to pay an influencer to promote trapping within our state, yeah, you know what? I'll throw some money at it. Let's pay them together. If yeah. you want to promote I'd... hunting doves or chupacabras in the state, <laughs> let's do it. Don't pay to promote an animal that's population that's is suffering. struggling. I mean, that's what's even more crazy to mind. me. The southeast is where everyone knows right now. I mean, if you talk to a turkey hunter, the southeast United States is experiencing mass declines. Now, there's other ones like Oklahoma, but, you know, Everybody in the Southeast knows, hey, we're, we're, our turkeys are down. And that's where this is happening. It, it is so counterintuitive. Like, that's my favorite word for this whole deal. But it, it blows my mind. I, I, again, me and All you right. can sit here and talk about it forever, but yep. we got to move on. Yep, <laughs> we got to move do. on with our lives. We we're going to obviously reach out to our people and express our displeasure of it. And I hope some listeners will do the same, but we're moving on. We still got some great content for the year of turkey hunting coming up. And so we're moving on past it, but keep that in the back of your mind, folks. Yep. Very good. So we need to talk about the real Cajun market for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I've had some serious inquiries about it lately. They're for good reason. Yeah. It's good stuff. People should be inquiring and people should be calling and ordering. And so we've told you guys numerous times how good the meats are from the real Cajun market. And we highly recommend that you guys give them a call or order some from the website or online and see for yourselves. Just I'll be shocked if you're disappointed in this. Yeah, so you, you won't be. And Gobblers Anonymous. That was a handle of an Instagram user who messaged me. He said, I want some mail order meat. What's the link? (laughs) So if you want some mail order meat, like Gobblers Anonymous did, you can message me on Instagram or Andy, and we'll set you up with the link to the website. But that website is realcajunmarket.com. You can go to realcajunmarket.com and order there, or you can contact them on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can contact Cullen Lord on Instagram or Facebook. Or if you want to just go all the way to the source, call his wife, Ann Lord. And her phone number is what, Andy? 678-471-1150. That is 678-471-1150. Mail order meat. Right there at your fingertips. It's a good world we live in when you can get a whole box of handmade sausages put right at your doorstep what's better than that so check that out they got some awesome selection and they are this week's sponsor for this show all of our past shows this year and our future shows for the remainder of this year coming at you from the real cajun market so we appreciate their sponsorship and we appreciate you supporting them because they're supporting us and you're supporting yourself so it's a big circle true indeed so (laughs) What do you think about a favor of the week? Man, I feel like you've been sticking it with me for a while now, so I'm throwing it back back in my court. Yeah, It's on you, man. Throw it back in my court. Here's the favor of the week. If your state was not mentioned in today's episode, you owe it to yourself to contact your officials at the Game and Fish Department and to ask them the pointed question, 
are you spending dollars with influencers to promote turkey hunting in our state? And if they say yes, ask how much, because that's your dollars. That's public money that you should have access to know how much is going towards that. And then try to rally some of the troops. Try to rally some of your fellow hunters and make enough of a stink about it to get them to stop doing it. And look, this is not really pointed at the influencers. We said this numerous times in our interview today. This is not about the influencers. It's about the effect that the influencers are having on the population of this bird. And the opportunity to hunt this bird. Exactly. So that's a great favor of the week. Please do that. If we did mention the state, you can still do that, by the way. Absolutely. You know, if you yeah. like further yeah. information. But they are pretty withholding on telling you what they're paying because I'm after that data right now. I'm going to get it, but I'm having to jump through some hoops and they're not wanting to share it. So we're, we're going to figure it out, but do that for sure. And like you said, Andy, no fingers pointed at the influencers. I do hope going forward maybe they'll make some changes to how they're presenting information to the public because their voice is so loud but no blame for the past i suppose that that is a very good point that you bring and yes hopefully some of them will come to that realization that they're having a negative effect on these animals that they love despite what they're going to say is one one of their defenses is, well, we're helping to increase sales of licenses, and that money's going back into the turkeys. Well, it's true on a small scale. The influencers can make up the difference in other ways. They can bring on more sponsors. We could bring on six or eight sponsors for this show if we wanted to. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fact. That's how people have been making money in the industry for years doing that. Yeah. yeah. So it... it I don't buy the whole we're helping raise license sales. I mean, what? There, how much land is there for sale? Because the state can't just go buy land if it's not out there. They're not really purchasing a whole ton of land. I don't know how many new WMAs you've had open next to you, but I haven't seen many here. They're losing land in Alabama for yeah. WMAs. Seriously. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, what is Tennessee going to have a 45% increase? increase in in wma land you know to because of the license sales no so that that point gets beaten to death and it it isn't valid the bird is suffering we've shown you the data it's totally out there now if you can listen to it and still in good conscience go with it you know that's on you but that was a good favor of the week and we'll move on from there (laughs) well do we want to extend an invitation because you know we've had some of these influencers on the show before do we want to extend an invitation to the influencers to come on and defend their position with us and with the listeners absolutely absolutely because i i think it's fair if i see one of these influencers that i know about we haven't named any names and you know i see them at the convention or something it's not like i'm going to walk up and punch them in the face or something like there's you know, it, there's no animosity yeah. here. No, not at all. So it, it's if if an influencer would like to come on our show and talk about it, and they feel that you know we've wronged them or something, and or they want to defend a position that we've taken, please contact us. I'm the Godfather 49 on Instagram. Andy's on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. What's your Turkey Hunter podcast email? Contact us there. You know, I'm I'm in. Andy at I am turkeyhunting.com all right all right let's contact us there yep all right thank you guys so much for tuning in this week 
We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.